Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right. Let's do this. And our good friend, Mike Minkoff. How's it going, Josh? That was as inspirational as the Celtics defense today. Yeah, we are recording losing this. streak. We're recording this after the Charlotte loss. Even though this will come out on Tuesday. We got background noise here. Uh, th- that that sounded kind of like the Celtics in the last week, one and three since the last time we had a very upbeat and positive podcast, feeling like the Celtics had finally put things together, asking that question, have they figured it out? Mike and Josh loved the passing on this team. They were showing more grit. Jason Tatum was playing great. Players were starting to get healthy. And now it feels negative again, kind of like the most of the rest of the season. <laughs> Uh, it, this, what an up and down year this year has been. The Celtics are, are seven and three in their last 10, but again, as I said, one and three in their last four, and they do, do not look good right now after losses to, uh, Charlotte and, uh, Brooklyn, a, a very shorthanded Brooklyn team. Um, and Chicago too. Blech. Well, okay. Chicago's in a different category. Like we were missing 25 25- of our players if like <laughs> like I, I i'm comfortable writing that off um and then against phoenix we looked really really good like phoenix is a great team and we played lockdown defense on them unfortunately our defense just stopped uh, it we left it in boston apparently and uh went on the road on the back of the back to brooklyn played no defense uh got outscored an unfathomable 32 to nothing on fast break points i believe um, and then uh, against Charlotte, um, yeah, more of the same. Uh, Charlotte also played pretty phenomenally, I think, uh, abnormally so. Uh, they are, I guess, good at maddening games, and the Celtics have been terrible at maddening games all season. But a dispiriting matinee. Oh, matinee, yeah. Well, that uh, explains it. That Phoenix game was also uh, the second night of a back-to-back for Phoenix, so tough night for them. Uh, Fournier's back. Yeah, a lot of these games that we've, a lot of the games that we've played well in, I feel like even that Den win uh, a couple weeks ago, feel like we were getting a bad game from the other team, and you know it was easy for Celtics fans to look at it and say, "Oh, we crushed them. Our defense was great." But I didn't. I thought it was more the other team than it was us. In the beginning, Adam, you said that the team recently had been looking grittier, and I, I, that's why last week I said I don't. I don't think that that was really the case. I don't. I didn't see the team playing with, you know, much more grit than normal, um, and I think that's showing up now that we're seeing how exhausted everybody is. Tatum obviously is exhaustion candidate number one. Uh, he, he looks like he needs three days off. We're not going to get that. Looked at the schedule. There's, you know, we have a bunch, still a couple more back to backs. Um, but yeah, Smart looks exhausted. Brown looks exhausted and beat up. Kemba, at least in, in this game against Charlotte, looked beat up as well. Even though Kemba's been looking pretty good this past week, uh, but it looks—it feels like we just need a break, and we're not going to get one. I feel like I, a part of me wants them to rest Tatum. Is that crazy? I mean, as much as we need to avoid this play-in tournament, I think that's important. I, I think it, it begs. It's like part of this broader question because. We need the wins, but we're also as close to healthy as we've been all season, and guys need to play together. 
Like, they just need to get reps together. So that... But I agree. I mean, I think I was calling for Tatum to get a, a day off, like, starting three months ago, it felt like. Um, you know, he and Brown, at, at many points this season, have just looked like they're they're running in mud, uh, have had moments where they're kind of invigorated. But Tatum, over his last four games, he's shooting 33.8% overall and 31% from three. And this is coming off of... Uh, Right, right on the heels of kind of a 10-game run where, not so coincidentally, the Celtics were, I think, 8-2 and two and, and Tatum was supernova. So I agree with the impulse, Adam, to, to give him a rest. I just, I just want the team, while people are healthy, before someone gets hurt again, to get some practice playing with one another. <laughs> it's like our normal rotation. Yeah, so there's a lot that this team needs to be doing, and they're just not going to be able to do it all. They need to rest players. They need reps together. They need to have some consistent cohesion on offense and defense. They need to show more grit. Uh, and you can't do all of that in the next 10 to 15 games. We got we have three weeks left on this season. How should the Celtics be looking at that time, and what should their goals be in terms of uh, – going into the playoffs with the most advantageous position uh, for the long term in terms of this season. I, I do think they have to prioritize avoiding the play-in um, because the play-in, if, if they're in the play-in, they lose a week of rest, which as we just discussed is enormous. Like they need that week of rest as badly, if not more. That's a week of rest and practice, probably. Why right? does the play-in tournament take a whole week? It's, I think, it, I, I don't know exactly, but I, it's, six, it's six days. It's six yeah. days that all the playoff teams are going to get that, that aren't in the play-in. So, um, yeah, it's a, I, I'm sure it's because of like one or two days of rest on the on the end of the season, maybe the round one and round two aren't back-to-back days. And then one or, you know, one day of rest before the playoffs start, something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, but that circles back to your question, Adam. I don't know if the best, you know, it's, it's probably still the case that the Celtics are going to need to have some strategic rest for their key players just to be able to maximize their wins over the, the last whatever 15 or so games that they have the Celtics are currently in the sixth seed so they would avoid the play-in tournament if the playoffs started today they're tied with Miami Miami's in the seventh seed and Boston owns the tiebreaker there Josh do you agree is is avoiding the play-in tournament the most important thing I mean I thought so a week ago when we were you know in fourth place and kind of neck and neck with New York other games behind the Knicks um, I'm questioning that as well. I, I think it's important. I just don't know how important it is. I think you need these guys need rest, but we're not going to be able to get to them. We have a coach who's going to try to win these games, and I think he's okay resting one star at a time. But you know, when when you have Kemba missing the second night of back to backs, um, you got to get Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum and Smart out there as much as possible. Um, I think we have to win these games and and get out of that play in tournament i think that's important but i don't know if you know that's the it kind of depends on what's going on with brown you know he's got that bursitis in the shoulder i mean every everyone just seems like they need they need the rest but we also need to be clicking and playing 
better. I mean, we got beat these bad teams that we got. We got one of the best, easiest schedules coming up for the rest of the year against some bad teams. But we don't play well against bad teams. We play down to them and, you know, games against the Timberwolves where they've got a team kind of like the Hornets that play real fast, up-tempo, and it's a running gun kind of a game with less defense. Like, that's not a game that's suited for us. So I, I think we do need to, to put some pressure on this team to to get as much rest as we can, and if we can get out of the play in, that's important. Wait, okay. You, you kind of just repeated the, the same thing. So th- there's avoiding the plan there's getting rest and there's getting repetitions together how would you rank order them if you were the coach of this team which would you prioritize josh so that's what i'm saying we have a coach who is going to prioritize getting reps and getting guys on the court so he's going to not want to rest guys as much you know as a fan i'm thinking it's important to rest guys but it depends on the perspective that you're coming from we, we play miami twice and that i was looking a week ago i was looking at new york as the last game of the season uh, and, and thinking that would be a difference maker. And now it's kind of looking like these games against Miami are really going to be the difference makers for seeing where we land. Well, I think I think they all matter, right? Like, Josh, you mentioned uh, we have an easy schedule. Um, that's true on multiple fronts. We only have three back-to-backs remaining. Two of them are, are to end the season, basically. So we've got um, a back-to-back on... Uh, against Miami on the front end on Tuesday, May 11th, and then Cleveland on the back end. We go from Boston to Cleveland for that. And then uh, we have a couple of days off. And then Saturday at Minnesota, May 15th, Sunday, May 16th at New York. So that, that one's especially tough. Um, so, but we have the second easiest schedule uh, in the East remaining. The Knicks have the fifth most difficult schedule in the league remaining. Uh, they're about to wrap up what's been a long homestand, and they're about to go on a six-game road trip. They've got two games against Phoenix. They've got a game against the Clippers, against Denver, against the Lakers. So uh, the Knicks are are definitely not you know guaranteed to hold their footing. They're in the midst of a really impressive nine-game win streak. Um, but I think, Josh, <laughs> to what you were saying, ideally, I mean, we've probably got to win both those games against Miami and that game against uh, New York, if we want to feel really good about things. Um, and and we probably have to go, I don't know, we've got, what is it? What's our actual count here? We've got 11 games remaining this season. We've probably got to go eight and three uh, at minimum, um, which is doable with our schedule, but it's, it's far from a guarantee. Normally at this time of the season, you, you're, you can kind of tell who is going to take some nights off and rest some guys because they're in the clear for, for their playoff seating. And, you know, this is a year where everything's so up in the air. We are not the only team in this situation. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams play out the rest of the year. Just like, just like all year long, we don't really know how this is going to go, even whether teams are going to rest their stars or not. Um, and how they prioritize those, those things. It's, it's really up in the air and, and could be team by team. Yeah, the Celtics also the, in their schedule were about to have a four-game home home spin uh, with um, that starts with our the third of the three back-to-backs remaining in our schedule: Oklahoma City on Tuesday, and then Charlotte uh, again on Wednesday. You know, the Celtics have all season been very 
meticulous and intentional about only playing Kemba on the front end of back-to-backs. I'd actually like to, I'd love to see them really think about playing Kemba against Charlotte and not playing him against Oklahoma City, giving him that extra day of rest. That would be three days of rest instead of just two um, against a, an opponent that matters in this play-in math. Um, and Oklahoma City is <laughs> trying really hard to lose all their games. Uh, I don't think the Celtics will, but I, I think it, um, you know, it it would be unfortunate, in my opinion, if Kemba is playing on Tuesday and is not playing on Wednesday. At what point do you start playing Kemba on back-to-backs in the regular season? Would you, like when we get to May 11th and 12th against Miami, and then Cleveland, or May 15th and 16th against Minnesota, and then New York? Would you? Uh, the expectation that I have is that Kemba will play back-to-backs in the playoffs. Would you start that depending on the the play-in record? Uh, would you start it in the regular season? Well, I don't. There aren't typically pl- uh, back-to-backs in the playoffs. We don't. Yeah. I guess we don't know for certain yeah, that there won't not be. be any. But no, if if we assume there won't be, I, I would guess the Celtics simply will not play him in yeah. any back-to-backs all season. Um, yeah. In which case, I would say, again, like they should be selective as to yeah. which end of the back-to-back they're playing Kemba over the next, you know, over these next three. In the first one, it's either Oklahoma City or Charlotte, both games at home. To me, it seems obvious you'd prefer Kemba in the lineup for Charlotte. The second one, it's Miami at home or at Cleveland. Have Kemba play against Miami and then have him just fly directly to Minnesota and skip that Cleveland trip. Um, and then it's at Minnesota and at New. Actually, have Kemba stay in Boston and go straight to New York. <laughs> right. Have let Kemba skip Cleveland and Minnesota, get extra rest, and be ready to go against New York. Like that's what I would do with Kemba. I agree with that, Mike. Um, and and then when when it's coming to figuring out, you know, finding times to rest, um. Smart and Jalen and Jason, I think I think you've got to try to identify some games where you can sneak it in, but you also do have to prioritize reps. Uh, this this four game homestand it, it means that the Celtics are going to have, you know, they get back from Charlotte today. I imagine they'll be in Boston through next Sunday, and then they're they're. Next game after that is Wednesday, May 5th. So they'll have about a little over a week of staying put, which will probably do wonders for them rest-wise. So you kind of have to, I think you have to gauge it over the next week and see how they're doing. Um, But you, you, I don't know. To me, it's pretty tough to figure out um, if I would want to drop a game, you know, if you've, also said if let's say Kemba was playing in, against Charlotte instead of Oklahoma City would you also want to bench Tatum against Oklahoma City then you're kind of rolling the dice in a game you really ha- should win um <laughs> you to win that game yeah exactly but you but at the same time to me i guess Adam to your original question i would prioritize getting out of the you know avoiding the play in and getting reps and then rest would be my third choice because getting out of the play in addresses the rest rest issue. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I, and those reps are so important because of how little this this team has played together. And part of part of that is is due to rotations. It's nice to see Brad. It looks like he's settled on rotations. We're still unsure about what uh, the center rotation. I know that 
I think one or two of you guys think Tristan Thompson should start. I think Robert Williams is the starter on this team. Um, Fournier just needs to play with these guys. He's, he's played, what, five games with the team total, and half of them he's looked terrible, uh, mostly because of, of COVID reaction more recently, and, and uh, I don't know what it was early on. Um, and, but uh, Peyton Pritchard is, is a member of this rotation. Romeo is, with Neesmith behind him, it, it appears. Mm, um, not sure you, on that you one. disagree? Uh, I mean, Romeo didn't play today. Neesmith did, I, I think. Romeo has been, a, a, unfortunately, a, a total zero on offense um, pretty much the entire season. His defense has been season. so good. His defense has been great. Yeah, but Neesmith has continued to be a, a positive player. I Honestly, I would play Neesmith over Romeo right now. Neither of them would break my top nine in a rotation, so it's yep. it's doesn't really matter when you're talking about the playoffs, but I think Neesmith has been a more reliable contributor. Um which is not un- But that's surprising. a small sample size. Neesmith hasn't been playing that well for more than four games in a row or something like that. Like, it's not like well, that's he was... two, three weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Neesmith, the way Brad has used him has been kind of in- crazy because Neesmith was playing pretty well for an extended period of time, and then he just got buried on the bench. But he's still been solid when he's out there. Um, but, again, neither of them are needle movers. Can I ask, uh, speaking of rotation, what do you guys think of Jabari Parker's minutes and engagement? I was just going to say he is getting the opportunity. I mean, what you're seeing here is what a, what I expected from him. Uh, not, a, not a great outside shooter. He can score a little bit in the post. He'll, he'll dunk a little bit on people. Uh, he's got a good mid-range game. His defense is not terrible. That first game was really Lies. bad. Lies. <laughs> His defense. Well, he's hustling. He's hustling to make up for the, the the lack of IQ defensively. And as he learns where he's supposed to be, he'll improve. But it's never going to be good. I, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of the amount of minutes he's playing right now. I, I'm with um, you, Josh. Isn't that a result of injuries? It shows how weak we are on the bench right now. I mean, when, when we can't get anything consistent, really, from E. Smith or Romeo – you know, and Jabari Parker, and obviously Ojale, he hasn't been consistent either. Um, and then we're just kind of playing Grant Williams over all of them when one night he sucks, the next night he's great. You know, and so his ceiling is what it is, as I think we're seeing it right now. I don't think he's going to, you know, I think all of a sudden in two, three years, Grant Williams is going to be some amazing player. Um, but just just the IQ puts him ahead of all these other guys. I think that speaks to how sad the situation is right now on our bench. And, and so we really need Fournier to, to be ready to step in here and soon. And that's kind of a scary thought because he's, he's still looking pretty rusty. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It is a scary thought because he was just sick with COVID and who knows how long it'll take him to recover and feel quote unquote back to normal. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe it'll just be a few games and he'll shake the rust off. Uh, I don't think you can blame a guy for being rusty in his situation. He barely played with the new team, um, was kind of starting to get a groove and then got, got knocked out with a serious illness. So, um, I, I find Jabari Parker's opportunity and role very strange. Um, basically, and I don't think it's because of injury, Adam, uh, because we have our full complement of wings now, or at least we did today, and and we I think he's getting big minutes. Well, that so it's a Robert Williams issue. It's a little bit of Robert Williams issue, but yeah. I would rather see. I mean, 
the Hornets and the and the Nets both move the ball a lot, so maybe that's why. But this is this is where I find it a little curious because against the Warriors, Parker was effective as kind of an antidote, um, relatively speaking. Uh, so maybe maybe Stevens is thinking Parker was a better option than Cornette against ball moving teams like the Nets and um, and and the Hornets. I would still prefer to see. Cornette get the first shot over all these minutes that um, that Parker's getting because I do think he's a, a pretty sizable liability on defense. Um, he doesn't fully have the scheme, which is understandable, but he's also you know he he just has no lateral mobility, and Cornette doesn't either. But at least he's really tall <laughs> and and in good position, right? Like between the two, who do you want to see on the court more? It's matchup dependent. It's all matchup. Yeah. Oh, look at you twins actually twinning for yeah. once. <laughs> and the same thing is true with the Romeo Neesmith decision of who to play. It's matchup dependent. Do we need a driver defender or do we need someone who can shoot some threes? Neesmith's finally come around with that. That's kind of a, a pleasant surprise. Is watching him, him relocate around the perimeter is, is pretty fun to see. He seems a little... Uh, he's shooting less of a jump shot. He Like a lot of his film from college he was he, he was um going into his shot and he had a high elevation on his shot a lot of leg um and he, and he was in rhythm and, and it's like been difficult for him to find his rhythm in the nba and he's shooting more um of a of a just like a uh setting up his knees and getting into the shot but not jumping high up in the air like he did a lot in college and i think he's making more shots partly just he's more relaxed and just trying to uh get in rhythm yeah, I think he's just not he's not confident, he's not relaxed and you see he plays with so much energy. He's so amped up out there. I wonder if that's uh part of the issue, you know, he's not he's not just calm and cool and collected. But he'll get there. Yeah, as long as he doesn't like throw himself into an injury first. He can definitely definitely needs to turn down the recklessness. It's <laughs> surprisingly athletic jumping into and through and over people. I, I got a question for you guys. Cause this team has been the most, uh, they've lost the most games to injury and COVID uh, protocols uh, than any other team in the league. What makes you think that now that they're looking healthier, what makes you think that they're actually going to be healthy? I, I have seen nothing to indicate that. Oh, nothing. <laughs> There's nothing that indicates that they're going to be healthy all of a sudden. I mean, I think that once you get once you get into the playoffs, I think that you know all bets are off, and you're really throwing caution to the wind at that point, where you're you're playing guys and guys are gritting through different bumps and bruises, and you've been babying them a little bit the entire season to just get to this point, and so the decision making process is a little different because now it's winning time, and so to me that that's the only change that would happen is, you know, guys certain injuries that have kept guys out would would not keep them out in the playoffs. But when you look at the rest of the season, it's not just about, like, can the Celtics beat these sad teams, right? It's also about what's going on for the the strength of schedule and, and who these other teams have left. Like, if you look at New York's schedule, they're about to go on a six-game road trip, uh, which includes Memphis, Denver, Phoenix, the Lakers, the Clippers, you know, so that's a tough, tough situation for them going forward. Um, you know, and they're the hottest team in the league. Everybody's talking about the Knicks and Julius Randle. 
And that'll be a, a big test for them. Um, and that's, I think, the only hope we have of the Celtics for catching them uh, at, at that fourth seed. If you look at Atlanta, they got Philadelphia twice. They got Washington twice, who is the other hottest team in the league right now. Um, and so their schedule, they got Phoenix as well. Their schedule is not necessarily easy. Um, and then when you look at Charlotte, I mean, they, they kind of have the easiest schedule just from looking at the teams. They got Detroit twice. They do have Miami, but then they play Orlando, New Orleans, and, you know, they've got some winnable games there. Um, they finish things out with the Clippers and, and the Knicks and the Wizards. So Charlotte, you know, supposedly Charlotte is going to be having LaMelo Ball back before the playoffs or, or for the playoffs. Uh, supposedly Trey Young's not going to take too much more time off. Um, he could be back in the next couple games for the Philadelphia game. So, you know, then you look at Miami, they got us twice, um, but then they got a bunch of easy games, Cleveland and Chicago, Minnesota. Uh, they end with, so it, it really depends on how these teams, you know, maybe one of these teams is going to rest some guys and that could change everything. At least in this Charlotte game, it's just it, that game felt winnable the whole time, and and the Celtics did not look like they really wanted it. We've been talking all year about whether certain players on this team are soft, whether the team is soft. Where do you guys stand on this now? Is this Celtics team soft? Well, can I can I add to this question? Or I have a quote from Jalen Brown after the Charlotte game, and I want I want your reaction, kind yeah, of with with this framing. So Jalen Brown. Yeah said, I think the last few weeks we have played extremely well, and maybe this game is being held to our past because we've been up and down in the past. I'm always looking towards the future. What, that's the quote you gave for Jalen Brown? I thought you were <laughs> going to give the quote of... And then uh, Wait, that was Jalen Brown or Jalen Rose? That was Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown also okay. said, there's nights like that. We think for the most part we've been playing some good basketball. We definitely didn't match their energy today, but the Hornets played extremely well. Because after our game, Jalen Rose said the Celtics are soft, and he thinks that it's on Brad Stevens to fix that. And so that brings up the question to me is, you know, Bill Simmons said that they're soft. I've been saying Tatum is soft for a couple of years now. I think we're seeing that the Celtics are not the grittiest team out there. We're seeing that they can play soft on certain nights, whether you want to all out, you know, just call them soft or not is up to you. Uh, even like the Tristan Thompson thing where he's kind of always being a little bit more vocal. Uh, but, you know, I, I, at least for me, that's not necessarily showing he's gritty. Like his intensity and motor doesn't necessarily translate translate to being gritty. Um, and I think that, that that he's sometimes more of a distraction and his, his antics or his personality kind of gets away from him a little bit. And that kind of speaks to a little bit more softness as well. But my question to you guys Obviously, Brad Stevens is is not a gritty coach. So do we need to have players on the team who are gritty to begin with when you have a coach like Brad Stevens who's more mild-mannered and, and not going to teach anybody how to be how to not be soft? Wait, what, well, what does it mean to not to be a gritty coach? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, you're you're asserting things that I don't agree with, but like, can like I... when you're when you're uh, well just to answer Adam's question, when you're like um like Thibodeau is a is a gritty coach. He's the hard nosed defense first. Like even just the, his like the way he works and grinds is kind of like 
putting your head down and, and getting things done. Whereas Stevens is a little bit different in his approach, right? He's a little bit more mild mannered. His, you know, he's not going to dig into guys too much. He's not going to um, criticize players in front of others. Like he's, he's not going to call guys out. He's, he's going to be like just simple and fundamental and calm about things that doesn't necessarily like motivate certain types of guys. Um, and we have a bunch of nice guys on this team. We know that. Right. So I, I agree with your top line with your overarching concept, I think, but I would frame it a little differently, Josh. So I, I think, I think there's like a grittiness or tenacity, um, to Brad Stevens, but he does have, a certain types of personality. He's definitely not like an in your face type of personality. And I think with some of the players on this team, or maybe most of the players on your team, as you're noting, um, they, they probably need someone that is a bit more in their face to get, you know, to get a little bit more of that kind of doggedness out of them. Um, And I, you know, I don't think, it is a mist. It is kind of coincidental that uh, Kendrick Perkins called at Tatum, and then they had that phone conversation. And I bet Perk kind of laid into him, um, and then Tatum went on that run of great play. So, but I don't, I don't agree with the idea that Brad Stevens is a problem. I think. I th- but there is, I think something is lacking in that locker room, whether it's from an assistant coach or the right veteran. I think there is a need for somebody that has the respect and, and kind of orientation or wiring to dig into players in a way that gets them to respond. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think that can and should be complementary to what Brad Stevens brings. Right. right. And I, I agree. Can, I don't think I don't think Brad Stevens is the one to get everybody to be grittier, but it has to come from somewhere. And if we need to get different players in order for that to happen or a different vet to get into the locker room, I think that's the key. It's not on Brad Stevens. It's on the players. Wait, so was that a rhetorical question? Did you just answer your question? <laughs> I, well, no, I want to know what you guys think. I mean, Jalen Rose brought it up. Like, I, I disagree with it, but I'm, I okay. start to wonder, like, well, maybe you need, if you have a softer coach, maybe you need to get guys who are grittier naturally, like we used I to have with Rozier and them. I think you're underselling Brad Stevens in terms of his, his expectations for his players and the way he delivers that. I think he comes across as mild-mannered, especially to fans, because he uh, is very even-keeled. But I, I think his expectations are extremely high for the players, and I think he's able to get through to them in a way that works not just uh, uh, short-term, but more importantly, long-term. I think that play, coaches like, like Thibodeau, uh, I mean, he runs his players into the ground. I think uh, that could be effective short-term with the right team, and long-term, that's where when players tune out the coach because it, it's especially this generation of players. They don't want that long-term. Um, and so I, Ainge wants Stevens here a long time. I, I want Stevens here a long time. If you're a fan and you don't, I, do I think too. you're wrong. So uh, I think Stevens is going about this the right way for long-term success. Uh, and and yeah, no, I'm, of course. I'm with he's, Mike. We've been talking all himself. year about we've been talking all year about how the, this team needs a veteran. I I enjoyed parroting uh, Jackie McMullen at the trade deadline about how basically the, a Kyle Lowry is who this team needs. 
but they don't they don't have they don't have their player so brad stevens his, his approach is being himself it's true to himself we want him around forever all that but at the the bottom line is that no you know he's a poindexter nobody's the the expectation as are intrinsic and the players either get them or they don't and when they don't then what you know like no one's no one's going no one's being affected by Brad Stevens by you know like get, getting all this energy and, and getting uh, excited about you know being more dogged out there or being more reckless or getting into guys defensively more like even his whole philosophy on the defensive pressure that hasn't been good recently the ball pressure has been has been terrible the transition defense has been bad I mean we all know his expectations. The players have known his expectations. It's still not getting done. So at some point, you need it to come from somewhere. And Marcus Smart's the only option right now. And that's that doesn't seem to be enough. Yeah, well, right. I, I think we're all in agreement that the current construct, there's a missing ingredient in 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 kind of a, a vocal and kind of appropriately in-your-face leadership, right, in the locker room. And again... You know, I've been championing since early in the season for them to get kind of just a new veteran assistant coach that could probably that could potentially bring some of that. Ideally, someone with uh, prior experience as a head coach and that has a little bit more of that kind of in your face mindset as as kind of a counterbalance. Um, It could be the right type of veteran leader. You know, if if we got someone like Igudala on this team or. I don't. I don't even know who else would fit the mold. I can't. I can't think of a good example. But someone that could fill that like Udonis Haslam like role for our team that Haslam does for the Heat. Um, it's clearly a need. Um, I, I guess the the question I would have is, you know, we're not going to have that this season. So you know, what do do <laughs> do we just we just kind of have to ride or die and and suck it up or do you think there's something that either the Brad Stevens and the coaching staff or the players should do and and you know who has the responsibility in the in the current group the playoffs are a whole another season we, we we know that and this team this year has been so crazy um that I, I think this team's exhausted <laughs> they just want to get to the playoffs and once they're there then they'll see what they can do Marcus Smart is going to get upset if this team um, plays with the kind of lackluster attitude, uh, the lack of grit, the lack of desire to win they have recently, and like they have on and off all year. Um, so I think you have, and, and I think Tristan Thompson is also going to be vocal in the locker room. He's the only guy on this team that has won a championship. Um, and there's opportunities here for a lot of players. Evan Fournier uh, has played phenomenally well. He's been a leader uh, and, and uh, primary scorer in international play. And, I, and Brown, obviously, he understands. Tatum understands. It's just a matter of whether they, they actually have the capacity, the energy to do that. And I think in the playoffs, they'll do the best they can, but it's going to continue to be a roller coaster. We're going to have to expect that Tatum, specifically Tatum, stops moaning about the, all the calls and complaining and, and stopping play because of a call he either expected you know, it, it's because the playoffs are a different beast. Jason Tatum has to show up differently then. And we can only hope that he's been saving himself a little bit to try to get through the effects of COVID and all that lingering stuff with that. Um, 
get through the the times when he doesn't have as many counterparts as he would like, and he's got to take on more responsibility in, in terms of facilitating everything. I mean, just the amount of plays that he's bringing the ball up and setting up the offense and everything's running through him. Um, that's been on display when he's had some bad shooting nights, but still contributed on other ways with rebounding and assists. So I think that he needs to show up in those, uh, the intangibles more in the playoffs. And we better see that, that there's a different Tatum out there when it comes to his grit and toughness. We're going to be following him and his lead. So that's the most important guy, in my opinion, when it comes to this. And speaking of Tatum, as we look uh, to next week, we're going to talk about, so Tatum, as everyone listening to this probably already knows, has uh, an all-NBA clause in his in his max extension or, or max contract that starts after this uh, season. If he's named to any of the all-NBA teams, he goes from getting 25% to 30% of the uh, salary cap. So uh, next next episode, a little tease here. We're going to we're going to look at who's on the shortlist for all NBA forwards and where do, you know does Tatum will Tatum fall into the all NBA category because that has major implications for the Celtics uh, cap situation going forward. So we'll we'll see how he plays with the rest of this regular season and if that that positions him to kind of really lead us uh, beyond a disappointing end uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, that could potentially impact Marcus Smart's re-signing after uh, next year. It could potentially impact the Evan Fournier situation this offseason and how much heat we can sign him for. How aggressively we deal. try to move Kemba. Yep. And so are you guys hoping that our boy gets paid or are you hoping that we save a little bit of money? As a, as a front office. To be discussed next time. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe at Celtics Pride Pod on Twitter, or you can follow each of us individually, or at least Josh and Mike, um, at Mike Minkoff NBA and at Coach Motenko. This is Celtics Pride for Celtics Blog.